The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. From the news team at LinkedIn, I'm Jesse Hempel, and this is Hello Monday. It's our show about the changing nature of work and how that work is changing us. Ashley Stoyanov Ojeda has had a huge year in her career. I am a singer, songwriter, turned business development consultant and author. (laughs) Earlier this year, Ashley published her first book, Hefa in Training, and she's been speaking and traveling and leading workshops. It feels to Ashley like she's finally hit the gas pedal on work she's so passionate about. And that's pretty awesome, because the more she gets out there, the more potential she sees for her work to have impact. There's one thing you should know about me, and that is I am a Capricorn. I am always going to want more. (laughs) I am always going to want more, and there's just so much that I want to do. But even as Ashley leans into her career, she's preparing for another big event on the home front. Ashley got married recently, and she and her husband are thinking a lot about kids. I'm 31, um, and... You know, I come from a very traditional uh, Latino family. And of course, as soon as I hit 30 last year, my mom, she didn't start asking questions, but she started making a lot of comments. <laughs> and last year, I didn't have the bandwidth to think about it because I was on tour. And this year, now that things are growing, but a little bit slower paced, I've really given myself the time to think about it. And my husband and I have a strong feeling that this is it. This is the year to really start the process, which for me um, might be a little bit more complicated because as this is already a complex uh, conversation and decision to make, um, but I have endometriosis, uh, which is a condition um, that can make it a little bit harder to get pregnant. So when is the right time to have a kid? If you're ambitious in your career and you also want a parent, how do you decide? Especially if you plan to carry your child, to give birth and potentially to chest feed. Especially if, like Ashley, you already know that the process might not be straightforward. I've been having this conversation a lot with people lately. Colleagues who are trying to decide whether they put off kids until they get that promotion. A friend who feels she got passed over during a reorg while she was on parental leave. A listener who wrote in when her son was two months old to ask when ambition comes back. It does come back, doesn't it? She asked. It's just true that balancing our career desires and our babies is tough. And here in the United States where I live, the government does little to make it easier. The U.S. may be a wealthy country, but the federal government mandates just 12 weeks of leave. And that leave? It's unpaid. And then, once our children are born, many of us don't have access to affordable childcare. Now, many companies give paid leave, and some industries and companies offer more caregiver support than others. But what's true is that when you choose to have kids, you willingly walk into the unknown. There are things you can plan for, and so many things you can't. The decision will have a profound impact on your professional life, and you can rarely predict what it will be 
beforehand. It's different for everyone. So today, we'll hear from a few listeners about what they've learned. Then we'll check in with an expert. Daisy Dowling wrote a book called Work Parent, and she coaches people on these topics. Now, whether you're thinking about starting your own family or simply curious to understand different perspectives on this moment in a life for yourself or for the people with whom you work, I hope you'll find a lot to value in this episode. Our first listener comes to us from New York City, where she's newly back from leave. I was lucky enough to not have a middle-of-the-night wake-up with my son last night, although I still have mom brain, I think, perpetually at this point. That's Kelly Shore. Kelly works for an investment company. I had a baby boy, and he is a little over six months now. His name is Levi, and uh, yeah, I can't even believe I'm, I'm six months in. It's like, what was maternity leave? What was all of that? I'm figuring out who I am in the workplace. I'm getting reacclimated with a job that I knew so well and I, I do know well, but it was as if I had to remind myself even how to interact with people. I am the happiest that I have ever been in my entire life, but I am also the most overwhelmed and the most stressed that I have ever been in my entire life. And simply existing with those feelings is so difficult. Kelly is at the start of her parental journey, and by every measure, she set herself up for success. She was able to take five months of paid leave, and her managers have been supportive. But that doesn't mean it's been easy to make the adjustment to being a parent. The thing that I didn't expect is probably the dichotomy of it all. And what I mean by that is I can be at work and want nothing more than to be with my son. I have this pull that I can't explain that I need to be with him. But then there are times when I am with him that I want nothing more than to be at work or be doing something for me. And these are things that feel that they have to be mutually exclusive, but they exist in my body at the same time. Kelly and her husband planned out when they'd get pregnant. And things went according to that plan. But it doesn't always happen that way, of course. Garlia Cornelia Jones works in the theater. Today, Garlia is the director of Innovation in New Media for the Public Theater in New York City. She also produces new play festivals, including one focused on Black mothers and parents. But 11 years ago, when her first child was born... Garlia was at a small theater production company that definitely didn't have resources to cover leave for her. She was 28, and she and her then-husband had gotten pregnant before they expected to. Garlia speaks with a stutter. Here she is. So I had a very non-traditional maternity leave, right? My ex-husband and I switched play places, so he took a, a spot um, so that there would still be income in the home, right? Um, and then I stayed home. And then they asked me if I wanted to come be- uh, back about three months late later. And I looked at what my options were, which would be to go back to a job, which I enjoyed, but then my daughter would be home with her dad, But then he would eventually find a job, and then so all of my income would go to another person to take care of my kid, and I wouldn't be there. 
And then I wouldn't probably be able to put as much energy into my other projects, both Blackboard Plays and Harlem 9 at the time. This was like 2012. And so I decided to stay home. I said, no, I'm going to stay home, which I wasn't really expecting to say. I don't think anyone else was expecting to say. It was really hard because I really enjoyed the work I did. I I, I managed the social media and the marketing and I took photos, all things I, I still do. But I just, it was really important for me to be home with my child. Garlia did start back to work eventually in the theater. It took her a long time to find a full-time role. She worked on lots of different projects. And because she couldn't afford childcare, she just brought her kids with her. I was everywhere. I was trying. And I have these two kids who are everywhere with me. They're everywhere. Like, they're coming with me. People watch them. I have I have them in a carrier. Uh, you know, I breastfed my children. I, 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 I chestfed my, my, my ch- children for at least like two and a half, three years each. So I was just, I was like just all over the place with cre- like life and care- caring and creativity. A few years ago, Garlia got a big break. She just landed the job at the public theater, and just when she needed it, she won a grant. I had a $750 childcare grant that I had just received from an organization called APAL, which is the Parent Artist Advocacy League. And I did find this mom who also writes plays in my town. I was like, this is amazing. I didn't know there were any playwright moms out here, right? And so she uh, sent me this opportunity and said, I think you should apply. It was a grant. It was a child care grant for a black mother artist in in Westchester. And I was like, that sounds like me. I'm going to apply. And I did. And I received this, this grant. And the funds happened to come through when I started my job. So the timing was really perfect. Garlia has gone on to join that organization, PAL, the Parent Artist Advocacy League, as their producing director. She believes their mission is instrumental in helping artists like herself work. Like Garlia, Danielle Pickens has older children, She has the perspective that comes from a decade and a half of tending to both kids and career. Now, Danielle's actually a coach who helps parents, but I spoke to her about the period when her first child was born, and she was putting in long hours in human resources at a large bureaucratic education organization. I was getting on a train at 7 a.m. I was coming home at 6.30 p.m., and I knew I didn't want to be a parent in that way, But I wasn't sure exactly what the options were that were available to me, honestly. I knew I wanted to spend some time with my newborn son. And so I came back and I said, what are the ways in which I can do this? And they were like, well, you could work part time. And I continued to keep my scope in three days of work. But for that, I got paid 20 percent less. That's an issue that comes up a lot with part time schedules. They're only successful if you can adjust your work and your pay not just the time you're on the clock. And it was it was really hard, but it made me say like, actually, I don't think I want to do this type of work anymore. So it accelerated the work and the path that I'm on now because even though I still work in talent and help organizations create cultures and practices where people want to stay, 
it just, it was like, I'm not going to stay here. So now I work on my own. Danielle discovered that life as a consultant gave her the flexibility she had been missing. She decided to keep it up while planning for a second child, but things did not go as planned. You have so much less control over this process than you think. Um, Miscarriages, infertility, they're all so much more common than most people realize. And so you think, oh, well, I'm going to have my first baby. And then two years later, I'm going to have my next baby. And it just doesn't always work that way. It took five years for her daughter to arrive. Now, Danielle has a second son as well, and her advice for all of us is informed by her experience. You have to think beyond the baby years. And I think no one does that. They think, oh, I'm going to like have this baby. It's going to derail my career. And I look at it now and I say, the baby years were easy. <laughs> I know that's a terrible thing to say, but like the baby years were easy. They need you a lot physically, but they don't need you as much emotionally. Like I have a teenager right now. And I mean, just the things that we're talking about, the things that they're worried about and concerned about, it's heavy. We're going to take a quick break here. We've heard four very different experiences from four listeners, all of whom are parents, but at very different places. When we come back, we'll get some broader advice. Stay with us. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. And we're back with some advice. Of course, everyone who's been through it has advice, and often that advice is based on their own experience. I've got two little kids at home. Most of y'all know that. I found myself over the course of recording this episode having to stop myself from thinking that other people shared my unique perspective, that they had the same thoughts and feelings that I did. And that's why I reached out to Daisy Dowling. Daisy is an executive coach, a columnist for the Harvard Business Review, and most importantly for this conversation, she's the author of Work Parent, the complete guide to succeeding on the job, staying true to yourself, and raising happy kids. Here's Daisy. One of the things that I always ask people who I'm coaching and working with, they've done, usually done a lot of imagination about how they might feel as the parent of an infant, but how they're going to feel as the parent of a toddler or parent of a nine-year-old who comes home with homework and you have to parent them in a different way, it's really essential to play forward over that longer time frame, and to not just think, what's it going to be like in my first couple of weeks back from parental leave? That's super important, but that's actually a very narrow window of time. So as you do some of this thinking, some of this consideration, do I really want this? Think about the totality of what you're potentially signing yourself on for as a parent, right? As opposed to thin slicing the decision. Thin slicing, um, meaning they're just sort of thinking about what's this going to look like for the next year? How am I going to do this through babydom? Right. Or just one aspect of the decision. Like, um, am I going to be able to deal with the sleepless nights? That certainly is one challenge of parenting. But the sleepless nights may be tough, as they are for all of us, 
But what might actually be harder for you is talking with your colleagues and owning your narrative about what you want from your career when you are pivoting onto and then back from leave. Yeah. So thinking in a really more holistic way, broad frame way, is super important here. Companies have made benefits available so that carrying parents, predominantly women but not entirely, can freeze their eggs and it it, it ostensibly gives them a, a longer runway so they can choose to become parents later. Now, that is a great thing because it puts more choice in the hands of women, but I have also understood it to send a, a message that says like you can and maybe even you should wait a little bit longer and do a little bit more in your work if you want to. Um, and one thing that listeners have told me is that, gosh, I, I waited and then it wasn't as easy as I thought. I'm curious how you counsel people who are very certain about how they feel about their career. They love it. They want to be excelling at it, but uncertain and scared about that piece. Would you suggest people start early? So I never tell people start early, wait later, et cetera. What I do is try and help people come with the right authentic decision for them. What's going to work for them individually as a unique parent? And the way that I do that in a conversation of, should I do this? Is it now the right time, et cetera, is to really just talk it out. If you're doing this by yourself, right, journal it out by yourself and think about all the different things that you want, the reasons that you are maybe hesitating about starting a family. Go through all of that and pay attention to one word that you just used. And I love that you just used it because it is so important. And that word is should. Each and every one of us is carrying around a lot of shoulds. I should wait until I'm SVP before I have kids. I should want to have a second child because it's better to not have an only child but to have two. I should, because of the culture or community I come from, want to be a parent to begin with. That should really threads through so much of your thinking. And whenever you see the word should, it's a place that you should push that you should pressure test and challenge a little bit. What's that coming from, that should? And is that decision one that I feel like I'm answering a call to or a decision that I'm affirmatively making myself? Maybe the people around me all waited until they made SVP to have kids, but does that mean I should? Or does that mean it's simply other people's decisions? That allows you to start being more authentic in your thinking and to make choices that are going to work for you as opposed to feeling like you're sort of laboring under other people's viewpoints, decisions, kind of that you've got this weight on your shoulders. It's just much more freeing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that attention to should. And also your advice that we journal to figure some of it out. Journaling is such a powerful tool. It can also similarly be a path to understand our um, our larger goals and um, especially the hard stuff, right? Yeah, and it's really important when we're talking about discussions that are as taboo or as fraught as this one. Now, a lot of us feel like there are discussions we can't have in the workplace, even about asking for a promotion or for, you know, better or increased compensation. Those can feel awkward or tricky or, or daunting. But talking about whether or not to start a family in a professional context or with professional concerns, that's like the last taboo conversation or the most taboo conversation you can possibly have. So it's really essential to find a zero consequence environment from which to do that out loud thinking. That might be on the page journaling. It might be with a colleague or a friend or a partner you really trust. 
but try and find that space to sort of get it all out and to step back and look at your shoulds and your assumptions and your desires, et cetera, because otherwise you're going to be too closed in and not thinking about some of these really important issues. Daisy, you're totally right when you said that. It just sort of a light went off in my head. We don't really talk about this out loud with each other. These aren't conversations that I have with my manager or the people that I manage. They're conversations I have with like my female colleagues quietly in in small groups, maybe in the cafeteria, like you tiptoe into it, sort of trying to feel out how safe it feels to actually share your real feelings about it. Yes. And it can be very tricky too. If you're thinking about having this conversation with other people, the opinions, the views, the really well-intentioned, heartfelt guidance that people give you is really rooted in their own experience. Mm -hmm. It doesn't actually mean that that's the right decision for the other person. So you also have to be a little cautious too in saying, where can I have a zero consequence conversation? But how can I take other people's very well-meaning guidance, their support, their mentoring, how can I also take that with a grain of salt? What works for others doesn't necessarily mean it should land for me. Yeah. I, before I had children with somebody who was very ambitious and very career forward. And uh, upon having children, I'm still someone who is very ambitious and very career forward. And if I could go back and talk to the me before I had children, I think that I would want to convey that everything I was afraid of wasn't not true, that having children did slow me down in some ways I did not expect. But what was also true was that Both, I was profoundly okay with it when it happened. I was a party to it. And it opened opportunities for me. And it opened ways of seeing the world for me that sped me up in other places. Which is just to say, Daisy, it does change a lot. I couldn't necessarily expect what it would change. But it is a disservice to suggest that we can simply muscle through this and not come out different people. I'm going to agree with that and push back on it at the same time. Please do. In that I think um, people assume, rightly so, as you've just said, that parenting does change you. It's it's a fundamental, life-altering, and wonderful thing to become a parent. I think before becoming a parent, a lot of people assume that that fundamental, life-altering piece necessitates some fundamental change in a part of themselves that they really value or like. So if I am passionate about my career and I am ambitious and I want to rise to a certain level or have a certain impact or be recognized for my expertise in a certain way, well, gee, becoming a parent might necessitate my deliberately turning away from that, or it might somehow like short circuit the system and I won't feel that way anymore. And so one thing when I'm talking to people who are thinking about starting families or expanding their families is to encourage them to think about how they could or might change some aspect or some of the daily operations of their lives, right? You're running around after a toddler who's crawling really, really fast, I'm sure. But that doesn't necessarily change or need to change the energy, the passion, the drive that you have for doing the work that you do. I'd love your thoughts on how it's different for your clients who do the carrying versus your clients who become parents but perhaps don't have the physical constraints of having to give birth or having to figure out how to breast or chest feed. Right. I I think for the parent who is carrying, 
that there is a really, really powerful, if potentially subconscious decision that they're making as they think about becoming parents, as they think about taking that on. And that decision, or more accurately, fear, is around a loss of control, right? So if you are five, 10, however many years into your career, and I find this with almost everybody who I coach and advise, you've done really, really well on the job by, in whatever way, whatever your job involves, by trying to sort of have things under control, like you're a really good project manager, or you're a really good interviewer on a media show, or you're really good in the operating room, and you sort of tick and tie and are on top of and are familiar with and good at your work. Mm -hmm. And as you think about becoming a parent in, in any way, but certainly a caring parent, all of a sudden, a lot of decision, choice, outcome, all of that moves into a realm where no matter how professional, no matter how much midnight oil you're willing to burn, you don't necessarily control the outcome. And that is a really, really daunting, scary thing. I actually had a conversation recently with a very successful couple who work in high technology, both of them. They've had you know really significant um, achievements in their careers. They were talking about the prospect of becoming parents, and they were talking about, well, do we want to have a child ourselves or do we want to use a gestational carrier? Now, I'm not into judgments, and I, you know, I am supportive of parents however they are, whoever they are, however they become parents. It's, I think we all need to be a lot more inclusive in our thinking as we think about working parents, and I use the word parents deliberately. But what kind of was underlying some of that conversation was a very, I think, natural fear of. Well, if I'm pregnant and what if I'm not well? What if I can't go into the office? What if I'm not working? What if I need to be nursing and I have to travel? Do I really want that? And that's a control decision. And it's not one I can answer for anybody, but I think it goes to really the heart of what's at stake when you think about going down that path. You know, Daisy, that just makes me think there are so many life transitions that will happen to us that we can't predict or control that change everything. Yeah. And... They just happen in a life. Somebody we care about dies or there's a global pandemic or something really great happens. You win the lottery. Your life changes on a dime. And parenting is one of the only big decisions that will change everything in ways you can't expect, but also you can to some degree control when it happens. And so maybe a lot of the fear that we put on, uh, you know, what will this do to my career is actually misplaced. Maybe it's simply pretty monumental to stop and think, I'm going to choose to introduce a change I cannot predict and I cannot even begin to understand what this will do to my life. Yes. I think what you just said is really important, right? It's it's thinking about I'm willing to step into the unpredictable. At the same time, most people, when they are give or take, and people become parents at all different phases in their lives, But give or take when a lot of people think about starting families, they're also at a really, really daunting, sometimes scary or confusing career pivot point. Yeah. So when you're about 10 years or so into any career, you very often, it's a totally classic common pattern in every career, you go from being the doer, right? The person you roll up the sleeves, you put in the hours, you get the accolades and rewards and advancement for doing those things. And then all of a sudden, you have more to do than you actually can. 
and you're getting things done through other people, or you have to influence others, or you have to make very concerted choices around your time. And a lot of times when people say, oh, I'm you know, worried about becoming a parent, when we scratch away at that, it's really sort of a worry about not being in that doer mode anymore. If you're going to be working and you're going to be a parent, at some point, at office, at home, you're going to have to give some of the responsibility off to someone else or to other people. And that is a really big shift. It's a big pivot for people. And letting that go can free you up to take on a lot more in your career and to become a parent, but you have to be willing to let that go. Well, that's really interesting, Daisy. So the, those are actually two transitional periods in a professional's life that just happen to often occur around the same time. Correct. But you can kind of decouple them. And independent of becoming a parent, if you want to, in a more traditional career path, if you want to begin to move up the ladder, there will be a moment when you need to figure out how to go from doing to distributing effectively. And that is uncomfortable and painful regardless. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times in my coaching work with newer parents, people who are relatively recently back from leave, for example, I'll actually say, and it always, the person's eyes always kind of, you know, widen and their eyebrows shoot way up and their mouths hang open because I'll say, you know what? Let's forget about the baby for a second here. (laughs) We're not discounting the baby, but let's talk about how much are you delegating at work? How much are you controlling the work that you have delegated? In what ways are you thinking about looking at your calendar every single week and preemptively deciding what you are not going to do and the meetings you're not going to go to and the shortcuts you're going to take? Because unless you're doing those things, your career is going to be really hard. And being a working parent in this career is going to be really hard. In a way, becoming a parent is just an amplifier of a career pattern. And I don't mean to say babies are just amplifiers of career stuff. They're the light of our lives. (laughs) But they have that effect of making that career transition thrown into so much sharper relief. That was Daisy Dowling. Check out her book, Work Parent. And thanks to all of you, dozens of you, who wrote to me about your experience becoming parents, and especially to the listeners at the top of the show who shared your stories. This week on Office Hours, we're going to talk about this question. When do you have kids, provided you know that you want to have them? We're going to talk about all the ways that it's loaded and all the things we're nervous about saying. And of course, many of you have advice. You've been through it already. Bring that too. Join us for Hello Monday Office Hours this Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, live on the LinkedIn News page. We're going to talk about all of it. Hello Monday is a production of LinkedIn News. Sarah Storm produces our show. It's engineered and mixed by Asaf Gadron. Our theme music was composed just for us by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Lolia Briggs, Wallace Truesdale, Kanaya Rogers, and Michaela Greer help us leap into the unknown while always feeling supported. Enrique Montavo is our executive producer. Dave Pond is head of news production. Courtney Coop is head of original programming. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And a special note of thanks this week to Jude and Camille, my own son and daughter whose existence informs this conversation. I'm Jesse Hempel. We'll be back next Monday. Thanks for listening. What do your daughters think of the work that you do? Well, they think two things. 
One, that it's really cool and interesting, Mm -hmm. right? Because I write books and I give speeches and I I do work from home. So they're kind of engaged or they see me at work. And when I'm not around, I'll hear them tell people like, oh, my mom wrote a book or, you know, they, they know to look in the books that they read for the author's, you know, title and they know how to look for the publishing house and stuff because they've looked in my book. So that's half of them. But they're preteen girls. So they also make fun of me constantly. And they'll say, you wrote a book about effective working parenthood, but you're the mother who just ordered in pizza. And that was the second time this week, mom. You know, and so they'll tweak me about it, which, you know, it is what it is. You get a smart nine and an 11 year old and you're going to get a little bit of flack back from them. 